0: So hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of default global this is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world to share their experiences on global hiring and on remote work and uh our guest today is jc JC chambers uh founder and at workforce right jc thanks for joining us today
1: it's my pleasure great to be here a
0: absolutely so uh yeah we're excited to have you here and so, Jesse, you are you are the founder and CEO of Workforce, a media company that is focused on educating people about the future work. And I know that you're passionate about like remote work. You you you're helping people find remote jobs. So, could you could you tell us more about your personal journey in building uh, your your existing company?
1: Sure. So, uh, Workforce. And and I, I always have to get in that we founded Workforce before the pandemic. So, uh, you know, okay. we, we were believers before it became hip. But okay. Workforce is the, the first and only digital media company dedicated to remote work. Um, we think of our audience as people who uh, work remotely or want to and the businesses that employ them. Um, our goal is to help people design their careers around their lives, not vice versa. Um, and my journey to founding Workforce is, is really sort of... Um, I think a funny story. So basically I, I lived, you know, most of my adult life uh, and career in San Francisco, I was an executive mm-hmm. uh, at a bunch of different tech and media companies. Mm-hmm. And um, I sort of um, realized or, or became a ro- remote worker without knowing it. So my, you know, I, I was based in San Francisco. My bosses were in places like, you know, Denver and New York. My company was based in New York. Um, and so uh, you know, I was traveling, uh, you know, for client meetings and conferences and back to headquarters at least one week per month. And so when I was in San Francisco, you know, if I needed to be in the office, I, I could be in the office. If and I needed to work from my home office, I was uh, empowered and trusted to do so. Um, in other words, I was sort of treated like an adult. And so when it came time for me to think about changing companies or changing careers, I I thought I, I sat back and I did an exercise where I said, you know, what are the five things that are most important to me, regardless of the company or the job title or these kinds of things? And it's silly to say, but it was only by doing that exercise that I realized I was a remote worker and that I didn't want to give up that kind of flexibility that I had enjoyed um, and, and, and I felt like made me better at my job and more successful uh, in, in my companies uh, at whatever I, I would want to do. And so we' armed with that sort of knowledge, um, I, I went out and tried to find either other companies that were working that way or places where I could find information about how to work that way. And there really wasn't anything out there. And I, I was really frustrated uh, for about thirty seconds, and then I said, "Wait a minute." You know you know a thing or two about building companies and building media brands if you wish that this existed maybe other people would too and so that's um how i sort of you know came up with the nucleus of what ended up becoming workforce Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. okay okay sounds good and um let's let's talk a bit about the the current situation right that that we can see on the market so there are a bunch of like a big guys big companies who are pushing employees back to, to, to to the office right so but there are a bunch of remote workers who simply cannot return due to personal reasons, May and they may feel kind of unsupported and unprotected currently, because there are no ways how you can protect yourself from legal point of view, right? Being a remote worker. So with that, let's start with, with just really hard question, I guess. What advice would you give uh, these, these um, remote workers who want to continue working remotely? and feel that their company isn't kind of addressing their concerns?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, in the macro, I think this, we, we, we needed to sort of expect this, right? Like the, the pendulum swung really unexpectedly to the remote and distributed side because of the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, now, now the pendulum is swinging back the other direction, I think in the macro, um, the cat is out of the bag. The genie is out of the bottle. Like, 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 once people have have seen that they can be as productive, if not more productive, working in a in a flexible way, if not you know fully remote, um, there's going to be a lot of resist- resistance to, to giving up that flexibility. And so, you know, what I would say to employees who are not feeling supported um, by their companies is is you know, number one, like, like you're not alone. Anybody who, any, any leader who tells you that they have this figured out and that they know, you know, we're going to be flexible or we're going to be in office or this is how remote is going to work is lying because everybody's figuring it out uh, in real time and, and, and learning how to, uh, to make it work. The second thing that I would say to employees is, uh, you know, recognize that you have a lot of power in the situation. I understand that, you know, with the global economy, the situation is different. We've seen a lot of layoffs, but I think that the companies that you see, that are really making noise and pushing a lot about, uh, you know, back to office. Like I saw an article today uh, about Google um, and, you know, Salesforce is trying to uh, incentivize people to return to office by making contributions to charities. Like they're, they're really trying to do anything that they can, the carrot and the stick. Right. Um, and uh, you know uh, it, those kinds of marquee companies, your Google's <clears throat> Your Amazons, your Salesforce, if they're having trouble getting people to come back to the office, then the companies that do not have those marquee names are going to have to offer the kind of flexibility that, that uh, employees want if they hope to attract and retain top talent. So I think that the, the employees and the talent still have a lot of power. Um, and and you know, they may be feeling, you know, pushed back from leadership, but I think they should feel empowered to push right back and say, hey, you know. You've given us mixed messages. You, you know, what, what, you told me 18 months ago that I could work from anywhere forever, and now you're telling me to come back to the office. I bought this house. What, what do you, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? Like, like the, the mixed messages. You know, uh, employees yeah. I think were given if their heads are spinning.
0: Yeah, um, and and considering this this kind of, uh, I guess transition we're witnessing like uh, currently do you think that companies may end up making different hiring choices about people than they otherwise make like uh might have a, like a year ago right when remote work was a still kind of trend but currently uh, they might think those hiring managers might think okay so uh, remote work may not kind of exist next year so i don't need like uh, guys with like those skills right so do you think that there will be some changes like that
1: um i I think if if uh if managers or leaders think that remote work is not going to exist in a year i have some data i can show them um and you know but yeah i mean you know are are they going to make different hiring decisions i think i think perhaps i think that uh the reality is that the the managers and leaders, the folks who aren't in the C suite, are suffering from I think the same lack of clarity and lack of understanding. Uh, might be suffering from some of the same lack and clarity and understanding that the employees are, uh, because like I said earlier, like like you know the the folks in in the C suite. Um, don't don't know. They don't have it figured out. They they're they're trying what they can try to cajole and force people back into the office because they think that, that might be what they want. Um, if they don't get what they want, they may be trying something different. Uh, you know, in, in twelve months. And so I think that in the macro, if you step back, I I love the the Bill Gates quote that you know people often overestimate the amount of change that can take place in a year, but underestimate the amount of change that will take place in a decade. And I think if you zoom out and you think not about the next three months or six months, but you think about the next you know, three years, um, we're going to trend more flexible. Um, and I think that you know, managers and leaders who they should be focused on what is the best employee? What is the, the best talent that I can bring into this position? And they should not be focused on, the zip code that that, you know, that employee lives in, Uh, they should be trying to bring in the best and most talented people they can get for a position. Um, You know, whether that's, you know, in the same state in the same country in the same time zone, uh, whatever that is, I think, you know, long term talent wins, and uh, they should be focused more on how could they can attract the best talent, not where that talent lives.
0: Okay, and uh, speaking about flexibility, do you think currently um, it is a really strong pitch point for, for companies who are competing for top talent, maybe on the global talent market level? Do you think it's still kind of very strong pitch point?
1: I think it's table stakes. I think that, you know, for, yeah, for, for top talent in any role,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: they're going to expect some level of flexibility right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I always like to, to make the point too, that I, I think of flexibility as I, 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 my, my, my hackles come up when people talk about it as a perk. I think it's a benefit, right? Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. a benefit the same way, you know, companies offer, uh, you know, medical benefits and, and paid time off. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, the kinds of employees that, that the companies want to attract are, are simply going to, to demand, uh, that benefit of flexibility. Uh, And that's crucially not to say, um, I I think it's important when we talk about remote work to to not talk about, um, you know, the meme of the person on, with a laptop on the beach in Fiji. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. uh, flexibility means a lot of things. It it means working from a home office. It might mean working from, um, you know, an office a few days a week or or, or a few days a month. It might be working from, um, you know, shared, workspace or, you know, any kind of thing like that. So I think, um, you know, flexibility is the term, not necessarily 100% distributed remote work. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, you know, uh, certainly face to face time and team building, um, you know, in person is really, really crucial. Um, and, you know, the, the more the companies can invest in that <clears throat> in intelligent, uh, intentional ways. So, you know, not simply saying, hey, you need to be in the office three days per week. You um, you know why like 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 do you have three days of of team meetings or team building experiences because mm-hmm. that's a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not just making a blanket statement uh, with mm-hmm. a number uh, yeah you know applying that across a ten thousand person company
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but let, let's let's take a look um, from some other side of on this right so in your opinion, what are the Maybe obstacles that companies might face when offering flexibility. There are global employees, right, that, who are just based in some other countries, right?
1: Yeah, th- I mean, there's a lot, right? So, it, you know, ironically, um, the technical limitations aren't as, uh, as challenging as some of the bureaucratic limitations, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the, a, a, small company, um, you know, it's, it's easier for a, a large company, thousands of people to hire in different States or in different countries because they have the legal infrastructure and apparatus to onboard somebody who lives in Ireland or in, right. uh, Argentina, um, yeah. It's it's less easy to do for uh, you know smaller companies who are just getting started to do that. And so I think what you're already seeing is is companies who are offering you know sort of HR based solutions for companies smaller companies like that um, to streamline that onboarding and the the legal and uh, you know bureaucratic processes to make that easier uh, for people to do. Um, I think you know a, another thing that's really challenging is um, what does that do for your company culture? you know how, how do you intentionally build a company culture in a fully distributed environment when you have uh, you know different people in different locations in different countries? I think that you have to be really intentional about that in a way that maybe you don't need to be. If you were building a company in the nineteen eighties in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and you had you know an office uh, with you know thirty or forty people in an office, the culture was sort of evolve a little bit more organically. So that that's sort of the bad news. It's like it's harder. You have to be more intentional about it. The good news is that when you are more intentional about it, you can foster the kinds of culture and the kinds of behaviors that you really value, uh, and that will make it um, you know longer lasting, a, a better place to work. So. know the the bad news is that it's a little bit more work up front the good news is that like anything else when you put in a little bit more work up front you get better results longer term
0: yeah and um let's let's talk maybe a bit about the the motivation for for those companies um who are still kind of uh hiring remotely hiring globally right and just small observation from my side, Uh, as I run talent acquisition company that helps like uh, find talents uh, globally in LATAM, Eastern Europe, based on what I have seen last year, the main reason for for companies to go kind of global was uh, talent shortage in the US, right? But this year, uh, things have shifted. So now companies are primarily uh, looking to save money to cut their cost. They're cutting costs on salaries, insurance, tax, office spaces, and so on. So basically, at this point, from what I see, that's the main reason, this pushing power, you know, to go global, to hire remotely. And that leads me to a question, what's your take on this? Do you see uh, that this cost saving is a a major reason why uh, remote work uh, is still kind of you know, trend in some niche, right? Between some, some you know, uh, size of companies or there are some other reasons?
1: Um, I think, you know, both things can be true. And I think, you know, not to go back to my pendulum analogy, but I think that, uh, you know, The macroeconomic conditions have a lot to do with the motivations of companies who are doing that right so so you know if if a couple years ago the macroeconomic commissions or conditions were uh you know let's throw more fuel on the fire how do we get more talent uh then that might be a little bit more of a motivation to you know bring in people in that case and then now uh companies in the us at least are you know globally are trying to you know uh cut you know, cut corner maybe not cut corners, but be more efficient, right? Uh, be right. more efficient with their spend and you know tighten uh, tighten the purse strings a little bit. That might be a, v- a motivation as well. I think that um, you know, in general, to to zoom back out. Ulti- I mean, ultimately, I think that the shift to remote work is going to do a lot more for globalization of talent and globalization of industry. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's going to come down eventually to you know, who is the best person for this role, regardless of their, you know, uh, background or location. Um, and, you know, talent's going to win. And so, you know, where is the, the, the best, you know, most efficient thing we can do? I think the companies who are, um, you know, in startup mode or trying to be really efficient are realizing that they can get a lot of the same, uh, you know, equal talent or better talent in other places, and it might be easier mm-hmm. to hire them or onboard them, uh, or more efficient in terms of, you know, cost savings. And and that's not a bad thing, as long as companies are uh, being responsible with how they're paying those employees, right? So, you know, I, I think it's, it's appropriate to look at um, you know, economic conditions, whether it's, you know, state by state. So, you know, companies now have buckets and, and say, you know, this is this is the base salary that we're offering if you live in the U.S. in California or New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the base salary if you live in, you know, um, a, a, a different bucket. Um, you know, that that's responsible and transparent. It becomes, I think, problematic when you have, um, you know, uh, companies that might be doing, you know, virtual assistant offshoring for, you know, uh, fifty cents an hour uh, to somebody, you know, uh, in another part of the world, that that gets, you know, starts to 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 reek of, you know, exploitation, which is not what we want to do. Uh, and so I think that we want to be transparent um, and and upfront. And but again, you know, uh, talent is talent, and if people are qualified to do a job, um, you know, more power to them, and, and we should bring in the best people we can.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, and so you, you're a recognized um, expert in the remote workspace, right? So, and there are a bunch of things that are going on in this area. So how do you stay updated with the latest trends and developments in global hiring in remote workspace? And what maybe specific resources do you, do you recommend for entrepreneurs who are new to this global hiring and, you know, are trying to expand globally? Maybe some advice. <laughs> Yeah, well,
1: so it's a little self-serving, but I would say people should read workforce. So, you know, we're we're creating content for people who uh, who want to work who work remotely or want to, in the businesses that employ them. So, a lot of our content, in fact, more than like half of our content, is geared toward people who are managers or leaders in their company about how do you how do you make this work. Um, and then, you know, I, I like to think of it, too, that, you know, even the content that's not geared towards managerial issues uh, is geared toward remote work and managers, you know, when they're not being managers are people, too. And so they need to think about, you know, how to do things like how to, uh, you know, create boundaries with, you know, colleagues and and with yourself and at home. Um, but w- one of the things that I think is a great resource that we're really proud of is we uh, early on in the pandemic, um, a lot of the, the leading remote first, you know, uh, Original remote-first companies, your GitLabs, your Zapier's, those kinds of folks. When all these uh, other companies started shifting to remote reactively, those companies open sourced their handbooks. So I'm sure you know that, like one of the the common best practices of remote-first companies is to really diligently document your operations and you know really everything. Um, and so those companies open sourced their playbooks, um, which was great and very generous of them, and I think a useful resource uh, to those companies. The the problem was that uh, on average, those those playbooks were about 120 to 150 pages, um, and so it was you know something that if a anybody who might be struggling um, you know with remote operations would have a a, a tough time digesting you know uh, a couple thousand pages worth of worth of playbooks. And so what we did at Workforce was to create um, playbooks uh, for these these different uh, you know um, you know documents. So so what we did is we we would take you know. Uh, GitLab's 150-page uh, uh, remote work playbook, and we would create, um, you know, a 1500-word document that sort of, you know, boils it down. It's like notes uh, for remote operations. And so I think that that's a great place to start uh, because you learn sort of, you know, the, the, the best practices. We also created Digest. So we created uh, a few different articles that talk about specifically like hiring and onboarding and culture and, and tools and communications, uh, to create sort of super summaries uh, for all those things. So that's a really easy way for people in a short amount of time to learn a lot about what the the, the native remote companies, the best native remote companies in the world are doing to um, operate successfully in a remote environment.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, from, from, from my experience, uh, as I already told you, I have teams in 10 different countries, uh, and we are also trying to document everything right do we have tons of guides and <laughs> the biggest challenge for 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 my company basically is not to kind of put together that guide but just to, uh you know to to make your team follow the, that guide, to read that guide, right? So and just uh, you know, and to sometimes... contribute to that
1: guide too, right? <laughs> yeah. So so like th- yeah. that. That's that's the real virtuous thing is is, yeah. is when a company can create that kind of thing and, and it can foster a culture where you know once the ball is rolling, the employees in the company contribute to it and and make it better uh themselves you know for themselves and for you know uh, their colleagues and for future employees that's the the real i think ideal state
0: that's true that's true okay so uh probably my last question uh what are top three recommendations for for companies uh who are just starting to exploring i mean this uh global hiring what what three pieces of advice can you give to those hiring managers to those executives founders who are who are just you know Ahead, new newcomer to this to this space.
1: Yeah, and um, th- so the first thing I would say is is um, practice acceptance, right? Like 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 truly accept that that you and your company are are going to be uh, you know remote forever. Like this this is you know some some flavor of it, some percentage of it. Whether your company is you know flexible, uh, I don't love the the term or the or the effects of hybrid work, but you know um, it, it, it's something that I think if if you really want to compete. Um, in the future of work, you need to offer flexibility uh, to your employees. Um, I I love to give the example of, you know, it's pretty simple to think about, like, you know, company A and company B. If company A uh, has a little bit better product and they're doing better than company B, but they're forcing their employees back to the office and their employees don't want to go, those employees might start looking for jobs at company B. And over time, company B is going to attract better talent. Better talent is going to produce better work. Eventually, Company B, I think, will surpass Company A, and so you know, acceptance around that, and 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 just you know, move forward competing with that. The tactical second piece of advice I would give is tactical, which we just talked about, which is you know, document everything obsessively. Um, one very tactical thing I think we can do is to create a user guide. Um, so I can provide you with a link for this VIP, but I, I, I wrote a piece that got picked up by Fortune. I think it's really useful for leadership and all employees. In, in any environment, but especially in remote environments, to create a user guide for how how you you work best, how you can communicate with me, uh, the kinds of things that um, you know help me be successful, the kinds of things that don't help me be successful, um, and uh, that can be a great way to sort of hack or short circuit. Uh, a lot of the things that people would learn over time working with people uh, in a co-located or office environment. So, you know, document everything obsessively, you can create a user guide, Um, but, you know, it's more than just like new hire onboarding. Like, like it really is, as we just said, like creating an environment where you have, um, you know, all of your practices and all of your documentation in a place that is open source, that all employees can access to consume or access to edit uh, as they see uh, the need to do so. I think that's really um, something that the best remote-first companies do uh, and and is really an ideal state that you can foster um, as as a remote leader. The last thing, um, it's a simple thing, it's a soundbite, but it's something that I think people really need to understand uh, and appreciate, which is to measure output, not input. Um, and so, what I mean by that is, you know, identify, hire, promote, and retain the best talent, regardless of their location. And the best talent are the people who are producing outcomes. So, you know, they're the ones who are, you know, achieving their OKRs and you know, exceeding expectations and 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 moving the needle in a numbers uh, in a numbers space. It's not the person who uh, you look across the office and who's you know staring at their computer screen typing really fast and you say, wow, that, they look really busy. They must be really doing a good job. Um, that's not measuring output, that's measuring an input based on what you see with your eyes. Um, and I think frankly that you know, a lot of the companies that are struggling right now and trying to push people and cajole and force people back to the office may have not figured out a way how to measure output as effectively as they can measure input. And so they feel uh, you know, more comfortable as leadership, if they can do things like uh, measuring, you know, the number of days that people are on site. The article that I mentioned briefly earlier uh, that I saw today said that, you know, Google is now going to try to force people back to the office by saying that um, their their on-site attendance may be a factor in their performance reviews, um, which is sort of like loose language. I think it's it's interesting that they're not, um, you know, uh, coming down too hard on it, but you know what? What does that mean? Uh, I think that that um, that's a hard thing to to measure, a hard thing to really justify. And I think that companies that have that kind of you know uh, broad stroke, um, you know, come to the office three days a week and 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 will like you better, not having anything to do with the quality of your work, um, are going to have a hard time retaining talent over time.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I, I guess we're good. I guess we're good. So thanks a lot for your time. Thanks a lot for sharing your insights. And we wish you and workforce all the best in your journey. Thanks a lot.
1: I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. and uh, And congratulations on what you're doing and what you're building. I really love the podcast and I'm honored to be a part of it.
0: Thanks a lot.